Please be seated for our Bible readings. The first reading is taken from Paul's second letter to Timothy, chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. In this reading, Paul writes to Timothy about the responsibility placed on each one of us to be an evangelist. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I solemnly urge you, proclaim the message. Be persistent whether the time is favourable or unfavourable. Convince, rebuke and encourage with the utmost patience in teaching. For the time is coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander away to myths. As for you, always be sober, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, carry out your ministry fully. This is the word of the Lord. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew chapter 4, beginning at verse 18. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called them immediately. They left the boat and their father and followed him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Lord, may my mouth speak wisdom and the meditation of my heart bring understanding that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher this morning to awaken our hearts, expand our minds and shape our identity in you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, I've spent all of my life in a church of, of some kind. And in those 50 years, I've, I've observed one or two things about church life. One of those things that I've observed is nearly how every Christian that I know has two main struggles when it comes to following Jesus. Let's see if you agree with me. The first is, we don't think we pray enough. And the second is this, we're not into evangelism very much. 
I wonder if you'd agree with that. Pete Gregg, the founder of the 24-7 prayer movement, amongst other things, has this tweet pinned at the top of his Twitter page. If you don't know what a pinned tweet is, it's the tweet that is right at the very top of anyone's Twitter page. It means that it's the tweet that's more likely to be read by everyone, that everyone will see, and it'll be the one that will get the most attention. And he has this tweet pinned at the top of his Twitter page that says this, Can I be honest with you? I'm actually not into prayer. We may find that a bit strange for the founder of the 24-7 prayer movement. I'm into Jesus. So we talk. I don't believe in the power of prayer. I believe in the power of God. So I ask for his help. A lot. We'll leave prayer for another occasion. But then he goes on to say this. I'm not into evangelism. I hate evangelism. I'm into Jesus. So I talk to people about him. Why should we talk to people who don't know Jesus about him? Well, perhaps Justin Welby said it best when he said this, that because we believe the best decision anyone can ever make at any point in their lives, whoever they are, is to become a follower of Jesus Christ. Talking to people about Jesus is life-changing. As it was for those four young men. Two sets of brothers, most if not all of them, teenagers that day, as they met Jesus by the shore. Their lives would change forever. Whether it was their first contact with Jesus, we're not sure, perhaps not. But on this day, as Jesus walked on their shore, their lives changed. First we meet Peter and his brother Andrew, don't we? And they're throwing a net, we read, into the lake. We're not told whether they were on a boat or more likely perhaps just wading shallowly in the shallow waters at the edge of the Sea of Galilee. The net in question would have been circular. It would have had stones tied round the end of it, causing it, when thrown into the sea, to sink rapidly. Then the net would have been lifted up by a rope tied to the middle of it thereby entrapping the fish. Seeing the two brothers, Jesus says to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people. Let's press pause for a moment and notice two things. Here's the first. The words follow me in the original Greek literally mean this, come behind me. Encapsulating the idea of a pupil who would follow their Jewish rabbi or teacher, literally to the extent that they would follow in his footsteps. If you want to know how close they would get to their rabbi, think of it in this way. That when the dust from a rabbi's sandals would have flown in the air, it would have hit their feet before it hit the ground again. It emphasizes the closeness of the joining, doesn't it? The bond between teacher and pupil. That's the first thing about follow me. Here's the second thing about follow me. When a Jewish rabbi or teacher said those words to a pupil, what they were saying was this. I believe you can be me. 
it was a hugely defining moment for any pupil's life. For any aspiring pupil, they were the words that you wanted to hear more than anything else from any rabbi. So when Jesus says to Peter and Andrew, remember these were not educated teenagers. They would have passed out of school at some stage way before they'd become a teenager. And he says these words, follow me and I will make you fish for people. They were hugely significant. He's saying to them, not only come and join me, come and stay close to me and I will show you this new way of life of how to fish for people, of how to show me, to tell me to people who don't know me. But also Jesus is saying this, I believe you can be me. Back to the story, immediately we read both brothers leave their nets and join Jesus on this new path in life. Then as they're leaving, Jesus notices two other fishermen, James and John, two other brothers. This time, these fishermen are in a boat. And they're with their father, mending their fishing nets. Once again, Jesus calls to them, follow me. And immediately we read, don't we? These two brothers now leave their nets as well as their father and join with Jesus on this new path in life. Of course, the word we use, isn't it? To explain what it means to follow Jesus, to fish for people, is that word evangelism. But as I've mentioned, nearly every struggle, Christian struggles with evangelism. The statistic is nearly 95% of Christians will never lead someone to follow Jesus Christ. And over those 50 years in church life, these are the the reasons that that I've kind of picked up. These are perhaps the four reasons that I've heard the most as to why this just doesn't happen. One is because we, we don't think it's our responsibility. Somebody else is, whoever that somebody else is, I've not been able to quite identify. But as we heard in that reading from 2 Timothy, all of us, whoever we are, we're all called to do the work of an evangelist. Another reason is because We don't think we have enough significant relationships with people who are not Christians, who don't know Jesus. Maybe that's you. A third reason is because we don't think it's a good idea to evangelize anymore due to perhaps its negative connotations that might be put out in today's world because it gives the impression that Christians are only interested in converting people. After all, if we think about it, if you catch a fish, it doesn't often end up well for the fish, does it? See, I'm not going to deny that there are times in the past, perhaps even in the present, when parts of the church have used that approach in a manipulative way. But I also actually think we're then pushing Jesus' metaphor far too further than what he ever intended. It's why evangelism should always be relational, in a context of love, that we, having received the love of Jesus Christ, would want to share that with those that we love. And no. After all, really, when we think about it, are we saying that knowing Jesus is a bad thing? Is it not the best thing that can happen to anyone 
in anyone's life because we become the best version of ourselves. Look at Peter, look at Andrew, look at James, look at John. Their lives were transformed. What could be better than that? Plus, whoever we are, are we we really so naive to think that those who tell us not to evangelize are not influencing, perhaps stronger, coercing, manipulating in their own subtle way, their own agenda that they want people to follow. Why do we do it? Why do we not do it? Because we don't have perhaps those relationships, because we don't think it's a good idea, because we don't think it's our responsibility. And then the fourth reason is this. Because of fear. The fear of knowing what to say or the fear of becoming a target. You see, what Jesus promises is so much, but what he also promises is this, that he might well bring some disruption to our lives. For the best, actually. And that might cause some difficulty, but difficulty isn't an excuse, is it? You see, for those two sets of brothers, do you know when Jesus just said those words, follow me? It wasn't actually an invitation. If you actually read it, it was a command. There was no hesitancy, was there? When we think of those words that Paul said in that second letter to 2 Timothy that Teresa read so well for us, proclaim the message. Be persistent. Whether the time is favorable or unfavorable, convince, rebuke, and encourage with the utmost patience in teaching for the time is coming when people won't put up with sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires. The time isn't just coming, the time has arrived. When those very words have actually played out in our world today, in our island today, it's why we're to proclaim this message of Jesus. We read with persistence, with patience. Irrespective of the circumstances we find, you see, Peter, Andrew, James and John, they just heard Jesus' command and they followed without hesitation. They did not know where that would lead. It's a reminder to us too that we are to follow Jesus and fish for people. We too do not know where that would lead. Just think about this for a moment. Three years, within three years of hearing those words, James had been executed. Later, Peter and Andrew would die on a cross. John would live to a good old age, we would call it, but he too was banished in those latter years to Patmos. They didn't know that when they signed up. Neither did Andrew know he'd become the patron saint of Scotland, Greece and Russia. Neither did Peter know that he'd have this huge building dedicated to after him in Rome. Neither did all four of them know that they would have thousands of churches around the world dedicated to them. You see, on that day, they followed Jesus. They didn't know the pain. They didn't know the glory. They just saw him. And that was enough. Last Sunday, I introduced this theme, didn't I, of thriving as a steward and if you weren't here last week and not managed to catch up do watch last week's service and in that message I compared the role of a steward in Jesus's day to a pharmacist today you see what would it look like therefore to thrive as a steward in evangelism 
to dispense what I said last week of the symphony of God's love. So let me leave you with three simple thoughts from these four teenagers' account encounter with Jesus on the shoreline. As he said these words, follow me and I will make you fish for people. You see, based upon just what happened in that story, we could say that a definition of evangelism is simply this, to join with Jesus, living his story as he would with those we know who don't know him. It's a reminder, firstly, that evangelism begins from our own discipleship, from our own joining, from our own following Jesus so closely in his footsteps that the dust from his feet literally would touch ours. When Jesus says, follow me to all of us, he really does believe we can be him. Evangelism begins, if you like, from our own discipleship. Secondly, it's about living his story. You know, we could say, to use an activity that is practiced in most primary schools today, it's about showing and telling Jesus. It isn't show or tell, because actions alone aren't enough and words alone are futile. We live Jesus' story through what we experience in the story of this book, the Bible, through If you like the people he met, just read who did Jesus talk to? Who did he spend time with? Through the conversations that he had, what did he say? Through the questions that he answered. And he answered many tough questions. When we get asked tough questions, see how Jesus answered them. Through the perceptive questions he asked, which is so important in today's world. And through the explanations he gave of who he is and why following him makes sense and is the best decision anyone can ever make. Evangelism begins with our own discipleship. It continues through living his story. But here's the third thing. It's about being intentional and having a plan of how we are going to live Jesus' story, of how we show and tell him with the people that we live with who don't know him. And I'm using that word live with there loosely with our family, with our friends, with our work colleagues who don't know him because evangelism is always done best through a relationship. And so, in closing, can I commend this little booklet to you? You know, I brought some copies with me this morning. I can email it to you as well. It's not a, it's not a difficult booklet to read. In fact, you'd read it in less than 15 minutes. But it's based upon the model of how we can live intentionally in terms of our evangelism, based upon the principles that perhaps some of us might be familiar with of learning to run using the couch to 5K model. If we were to go fishing, we have no guarantee we'll catch any fish. But we only give ourselves the opportunity and a chance by going fishing in the first place. So in the same way, when we live intentionally and living Jesus' story, it doesn't guarantee people will come to faith. But by being intentional, we'll create the opportunities. And that is all we're asked to do because ultimately, it's God 
who's the evangelist. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.